So that works. Um, oh yeah, you've never seen me behind the scenes before. I have not. <laughs> Long time listener, first time recorded. Yes. Shut up. <laughs> Jesus. That was, works great for a podcast. It works wonderfully for a podcast. <laughs> wow. That's excessive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I am going to start with the hello. Welcome to Uncensored. Blah, bitty, blue, bitty, blue, bitty, blue. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to describe the podcast a little if I remember to. I never remember <laughs> to. And then I'm going to describe who I am. And then I'm going to be like, and here I have hello with me. Tell me about yourself. And then you're going to panic because it's a very large question. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging the and then, panic. And then you'll be like, what? And then I will ask more directing questions. Or I'll let you flounder. One of the two. <laughs> Why are you like this? Because um, it's fun. Welcome to Uncensored with the Pint Size Sexologist, the podcast that was originally about telling sex ed horror stories and now has slowly, not so slowly, morphed into just generally interviewing people about how sex ed has impacted them. <sighs> we work with what we have. I am your host, Nat Higgins. I have a Master's of Education in Human Sexuality Studies, and this is the only way that I'm using it. Yay! Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, so a bit about the podcast, um, challenge by choice, you know, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but if you're ever listening to my podcast and you're like, hey, I don't feel comfortable listening to somebody have a conversation about this particular thing, I encourage you to try to evaluate why you're having a hard time listening to that conversation and really examine whether it's just something that you're not interested in or if it's about some assumptions or biases that you have. Um, And then maybe just like hit pause and come back later or just decide it's not for you. Whatever, to each his own. But yeah, um, my future mother-in-law listens to this podcast. Hi, Diana. And uh, every once in a while just skips over stuff and that's fine. I see you, and I appreciate you, all of you. So, um, yeah, that's a thing. Also, this is now the podcast where I interview people while I am doing my hair after a shower. So if you hear random noises, um, it's because I am bad at time management this week. And I'm doing my hair while doing this and sitting on a bed, also without my normal sound equipment. So if the sound quality is horrible or you hear the vague sounds of Philadelphia in the background, you are welcome. Anywho, I have conned yet another person that I care very deeply about into being my interviewee for this month. And this is a person who has a very uh, interesting take because everybody that I have talked to thus far has had sex ed in the U.S., Some people have had parents who immigrated here. Some people who have parents who were just grew up in very, very niche communities or they grew up in very niche communities. Um, But yeah, so this is going to be the first non-U.S. born one. So uh, she's going to share her story 
And we're going to giggle a lot because we have an inability to be adults around each other. So this, this month, everybody say hello to Hella. How are you doing, Hella? Hi, doing great. Good, good, good. Um, for those listening, this is not the same person that I interviewed several weeks ago that's named Hell. There's a whole extra letter in there for those of you following along at home. Uh, but yeah, so Hella, tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. Uh be more specific no um (laughs) (laughs) so like um anything about like where you come from what you study anything that makes you intrinsically you uh I come from all kinds of places I wasn't born in this country I was born in the former USSR where sex did not exist according to authorities um and then I grew up in Israel and then I ended up here um (laughs) ta-da Uh, you do lots of science stuff. I do lots of science stuff, um, developmental biology and such. So I know a bunch about biology, but uh, that's about it. Don't know much about anything else. And I like getting mad about sex ed and the lack of it. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a scientist. I don't know much about it. Oh, shit. But I'm going to be mad. Yeah, it is the personal hobby. I just like getting mad. (laughs) That, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the first things that we bonded over was, like, degrees in academia and being mad about academia. So. Oh, extremely mad. We can talk about that for hours. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just a general sentiment for most. Hey, stop chewing on my glasses. <laughs> Another thing about Hella is that she owns two cats. Um, and I say cats because they're shaped like cats. But really, they are just... I don't even know. They're like little aliens in cat suits that were brought to this planet specifically to wreak havoc on my life specifically. Yeah, that's true. Um, They're Menace 1 and Menace 2. Menace 1 and Menace 2, yeah. <laughs> um, so th- you will also be hearing cat, cat sounds. This is some bonus content this month. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, what type of... I mean, obviously you said in the USSR... Uh, there wasn't sex ed. It did not exist. But, I mean, you, you left the USSR when you were, like, what, six? Yeah, I was six. So, I highly doubt you were getting any sex ed at that age. So, like, no. the USSR probably did not really have that much of an impact on you. But, like, Israel. Yes. The USSR part, the impact was just my parents. <laughs> Them being from there. Them being from there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, Israel... From what I recall, I also went to uh, to a middle school that was run by former immigrants from the USSR. So the fact that we didn't have sex at there may have been a uh. thing. Uh, I only went to a fully Israeli high school okay. uh, and like um, first and second grade, but that definitely did not have sex ed. I mean, although should have had sex ed. Yeah, it's useful for all ages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so like I only remember very tiny bits and pieces from high school. I remember it was like an hour and a half of just like, these are ovaries. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> and then we moved on. <laughs> did, did they describe what the ovaries do? Or yes. were they just like, these are ovaries? It was. And I was like, I was also a biology major in high school. So what they told me. Wait uh, a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa. Okay. So, sorry. that This is a very... 
as an American, we don't have majors in high school. Can you explain that part a little bit to me? Yes. So I think at, in 10th, 10th grade, uh, you are supposed to pick your lane. And you are not supposed to pick one. It's not like uh, in college where you're like, pick one thing. Uh, you're supposed to pick two. So I was double in biology and computer sciences. And okay. So it's kind of like the vocational schools that – not vocational schools, but like – um. There are, like, culinary high schools and stuff in the States sometimes that are, like, charter schools and private schools. It's kind yeah. of that, but, yeah. like, just regular-ass schools have it? Yes, all the, all the oh. high schools in Israel you have to choose. Um, and there are uh, trade schools and there are schools that have, like, specific vacations, but this is just hmm. randomly how it works there. Interesting. Sorry, mm-hmm. that was very, um, I just wasn't expecting that. Continue about psych then. Yeah, so I, they didn't teach me anything new because I was already studying biology, and they told us about you know hormones and fsh and lh and stuff like that and you got fsh and lh i didn't get that until i got a degree in this shit huh yeah i got that <laughs> um so it was a brief version of that the you know less complicated version of that because again it wasn't there wasn't much also okay to be fair i i tend to as a person zone out space out so i'm not quite sure maybe i forgot maybe, maybe there was more there probably wasn't uh either way it wasn't memorable um so. <laughs> it wasn't memorable it didn't happen yes uh and most of my what i know uh what i knew at the time about sex was from talking to my friends and from youtube <laughs> so yeah uh, i guess youtube would have I forget that YouTube is a source of sex sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, sex information, mm-hmm. I should say. It it isn't it, it isn't always it's easily um put out on YouTube anymore. Yes. So I forget that it used to be like an actual, you know, hub of information <laughs> at one point instead of just yeah, that's censored videos. Uh yeah. Okay. Okay, so school was, it gave you the, some foundational but no practical knowledge. Yeah, it gave me a facet of sex ed, but basically gave me the biology that I already knew, and it to my in, to my brain was had nothing to do with sex. I did not connect the, <laughs> the dots at the time. So I'm from what you're saying, I am hearing that they didn't really have any like value laden anything like they, they didn't even put it clear enough to be a thing that people could put values on no it wasn't well there was there wasn't clear like sex is bad don't do it kind of situation um there was an undercurrent of that in general like if you know there's always like rumors of like this girl or that like what they did in their personal life and there was always judgment in the air but it didn't necessarily come from like in sex ed classroom no it did not come from the education system at least in my school i didn't go to a religious school i just uh i went to regular secular school so i mean so did i but mine also was very yeah last episode i found out that catholic school got better sex ed than i did and i was upset huh upset but uh yeah and then um at at home what sex ed did you get if any (laughs) oh absolutely nothing uh zero the only time that uh a parent of mine (laughs) 
has talked to me about sex is when they realized I reached my 20s and I did not mention anything. So their advice was, you should have it is good for your complexion. It's good for your... Yes. That's a new one. I guess I've heard that. Um, Just in case I break out with pimples and that would be somehow really bad. So I should have sex to avoid that. I don't... Good for your... I'm sorry. I'm ruminating on this because I've legitimately never heard that before. You're welcome. (laughs) Wow. I'm like actually like kind of stunned because like I feel like all of the things that are like rumors that people make up about sex is just like masturbation will make your... (laughs) palms hairy and like you'll go <laughs> blind and like if you have sex you will get pregnant and die like it's all like very uh hyperbolic in like the opposite it's good for your i mean to be fair it kind of is good for your complexion sure um i mean not just having sex but like having orgasms mm-hmm. having sexual release mm-hmm. um is just overall can be beneficial for the body because cortisol levels and all that jazz helps release stress, which can help and like also helps with hormone regulation, all this shit. Um, From what I know of your parents, I'm just very stunned by that whole entire (laughs) thing. Actually, I'm very, so, so, but it just sounds like you didn't really get, any no there was nothing uh the that sentence that was legitimately just a sentence that I got um was because my parents started panicking that I will not produce heirs so (laughs) heirs okay well then okay my question is then at what point did you learn like the mechanics of sex great question I don't remember what I do remember that um I became sexually active, like, the latest from my group of friend group. Mm-hmm. But I do remember that I knew more than they did. So when they became sexually active, they asked me questions. Oh, well, I, I mean, you are a sponge when it comes to information. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Which I always found weird. I, I always, when I talked to them, was like, you understand I'm not having the sex so when you're it's all right you also are not a teeny tiny little cell in kidney development that is true (laughs) but you know a lot about that particular little cell in kidney development that is true i may have a degree in that (laughs) in in cellular kidney development i don't know i'm making stuff up now (laughs) yes i don't exactly remember when i started collecting that information to the point where like at some point, I realized it's useful to people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very curious. I think I just watched a lot of, um, like, science TV shows. Um, and I collected a lot of the anatomy information. And then followed a bunch of, like, sex educators on YouTube. And I didn't realize at the time there were sex educators. I know now because now I know mm-hmm. who they are. And, like, I'm older. Um, but I have had access to that and I'm lucky because it was all in English and my English was pretty good uh, Mm -hmm. compared to my peers so I could access that information too. Do you remember who any of them were? Um I remember as a kid like I don't know when Lacey Green became 
a thing. Lisa um, Green was, um, I want to say, like, when I was in high school, college, she became, um, bigger. Yeah. I remember, uh, she was not the only one, but I do, for some reason, that's the only name that I can kind of conjure up. I have a specific memory, and, like, this, uh, we're gonna have to look up videos so I can Mm -hmm. show you at some point. Um, it was very, very late night TV. Like, can... Uh, stop licking close to the microphone. <laughs> Cats, I know that you're having, like, a little love fest right now, but I need you to not do that in the microphone. Go. Go. You can look. Oh, my God. Um, but this was, like, a woman who would, like, come on after the infomercials. So, like, in the 90s, in the U.S., like, TV shows would stop after, like, midnight, essentially, and it would just be infomercials the rest of the night. And then this woman would come on at, like, 3 in the morning, and it was Talk Sex with Sue. And she was, like, a woman in her... I mean, when I was really young, I was like, this woman is ancient. I'm sure she was in, like, her 70s, and I was just an asshole child who was... (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Uh, she would answer caller questions about sex, and she was, like, the first sex educator I came into contact with, so we will have to see if she's on YouTube. Yeah, I'm curious now. She's She was wonderful. I absolutely loved her. It was, it was very uh, heterocentric, but mm-hmm. it was, um, great. Um, but yeah, I guess that brings me to my, my next question of, like, what is, um, like, what are some of these sex tropes in media that you grew up with? Oh, I think uh, a bunch of just, you know, the regular stuff. <laughs> like, Well, that's my, like, I don't know if what I would consider to be regular is the regular that you grew up with. Um, I don't know if that's what you mean by tropes, but what I grew up with is basically you find your one person and you get married and you have children and you get a house maybe not in that order and you know and that's it and also what I from I guess that's what I got from tv um and then sex wise is just like there's a man and there's a woman and <laughs> do stuff. And five minutes later, <laughs> ta-da! Um, um, yeah, because like I know in the, I mean, there's there's been legislation over this and whatnot in the U.S. of mm-hmm. people being like, our media is completely saturated with sex and you can't escape it. And I can see it in my dreams haunting me, like. Like, I don't know if that was a thing that was similar. Um, So now that I'm thinking about it, it's hard for me to answer that question. I'm a child of immigrants. Uh, I was unsupervised for most of my life. And I was also weird. And I started watching probably age-inappropriate things since I was like six years old, again, because of lack of supervision. So I, I mean, I watched a bunch of soap opera operas as a kid (laughs) I was obsessed with Melrose Place and with Beverly Hills and like things like that when I was like six um 
so I think I was just exposed to like sexual content constantly. I mean, that's fair. I mean, like, it's not like American children's shows have like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I just mostly watch soap operas instead of cartoons. (laughs) For some reason. That explains so much about you as a human. Oh my (laughs) God. Uh, I did watch uh, Ninja Turtles, but that's a different story. Oh. That's fine. Which one did you want to be? Um, April. Oh. <laughs> Not the Ninja Turtle. That works. <laughs> that works fine. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Um, but yeah, so how, like, are there any ways that you think that, like, this specific, like, lack of any direct communication and you having to, like, absorb all of it secondhand to learn anything, like, do you think that that's affected you in any way? Oh, absolutely. I also, I think I did never connected the content, sexual content. I was fascinated by it. I wanted to learn everything about it. I felt uh, drawn to certain characters and their expression of sexuality. These are things that I can articulate now that I did not have the ability to articulate Uh, for decades, obviously. Um, But it never occurred to me to connect that to my own sexuality somehow it was like two separate lanes and and like no one ever talked to me directly about sex and sexuality and what I personally might were you one of those people that like you would like show up at a pride parade and be like I'm just a really enthusiastic ally absolutely (laughs) yeah uh Uh, yes I am that person (laughs) I am also the person that claimed that I am straight unfortunately literally use the word unfortunately unfortunately for years because it never occurred to me that straight people don't think the way that i think um so i am exactly that cliche of a human being i to be fair i think that there are a lot of people that don't realize things like I have also had, like, people who are just like, oh, well, everybody thinks that their girlfriends are hot. And I'm like, no, not (laughs) everybody does. Like, a lot of people do, but not everybody does. Not everybody fantasizes about taking their best friends on dates. Like, (laughs) not everybody tries to think of excuses to practice kissing with their friends. That. Mm -hmm. Like... (laughs) Can you tell that these are all <laughs> personal experience? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, like, that's not a thing that everybody experiences, um, but a lot of people do, and a lot of people spend time, like, I have heard stories about, like, people getting into arguments with their parents, and then the parents will be like, well, everybody has gay thoughts. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, that explains a lot about our conversations. Yeah. You must be dealing with your own internalized shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. I didn't connect a bunch of things about sex and sexuality um, in, to, like, the knowledge that I had about it and my own personal experiences. They did not. I somehow did not manage to connect the dots for a very, oh, very long time. Oh, I'm not surprised You're a scientist. You're, you're trained to be a quote-unquote objective observer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why would you put that to yourself? I just, knowing you as a person, if you were in, interested in something for the sake of knowledge... 
why would you yeah be like oh <laughs> this must be because it's the inside of my brain <laughs> True. I also had that very peculiar situation where I always was fascinated by like sex, sexuality, anything about it, bodies, feelings, etc. I didn't give a shit about sex as a teenager and like well, as don't. a young adult. Like it did not to the point where people started wondering what's wrong with me. Quote unquote. <laughs> Again, a thing a lot of people are not necessarily super interested in but feel like they have to be because of the way mm-hmm. that society talks about it and they're like oh it's normal for teenagers to be horny horny horn dogs and just we have it like we just we gotta pry them off of each other <laughs> footloose style you know like no dancing in this county yeah and yeah So, yeah, um, it. I think that the biggest effect the lack of sex that had on me is that I didn't figure out who I am as a human for a very long time. And to be fair, I don't think if I had, like, I feel like my personal brand of sexual and romantic orientations is slightly complicated. <laughs> so probably would have had to have really good sex ed for it to be helpful. <laughs> yeah. When you say complicated, like, it depends on who you're around and who you ask. Um, Exactly. Yeah. uh, Because there are many facets to sexuality and sexual orientation and um, attraction. There's different types of attraction. I need to do an episode on the different (laughs) types of attraction um, because they can get super convoluted to people who don't. No, they're like, you're just making things up now. Mm -hmm. Which, pro tip, everything is made up. (laughs) Literally everything is made up. How we categorize things is made up. The words we use to categorize them are made up. Everything is made up. Um, Every single rule that has ever been invented in society, at one point, someone decided it was a thing. It's made up. Um, But... Yeah, do you, um, I had a question, and it was really good, and then I went on a rant about things being made up, and I forgot. (laughs) Um, oh, yes, uh, do you think that there have been, like, certain communities that you've come into contact with that have, like, actually given you the language to talk about things, or was it something that you ended up finding where it's like, I'm going through this encyclopedia forever. Like, like what are the different um, sources that you pulled from that ended up actually giving you the words that you needed to figure out what the fuck was going on in your head? Um, so despite the fact that all my friends growing up in retrospect are queer, um, <laughs> <laughs> except for maybe like two Um, they also never kind of could place me. (laughs) So I, that didn't help. (laughs) Um, they were very, um, they never told me that like, you know, how other people were like, oh, something's wrong with you. Or like, you need to do this. They were never, it was never about that. They just like, I I don't know. I don't know what's going (laughs) on. Sure. Cool. Whatever. Um, and then I just, I, I, 
I understood from a fairly young age that I'm not exactly fitting in. I just didn't quite understand how. Mm -hmm. And I spent the majority of my life trying to figure out exactly that. Um, Like, tried to put myself in the brackets that I knew. And I knew, like, I knew gay, lesbian. I knew, um, did not come across bisexual for a very long time um, at all. Um, definitely did not come across like anything that's split attraction that you have can have like different mm-hmm. attractions romantically, sexually, did not come across any scales of like demisexuality and things like that on like um on the asexual spectrum. Um n- did not cross my path until I just kept reading and I kept looking because mm-hmm. it drove me nuts. I'm like, it has to be something. I would go for like periods of time, like, I don't care. It's fine. I'm broken. It's okay. I don't give a shit. Like, leave it alone. Uh, and then I was like, you know what? I don't think I can leave it alone. <laughs> wow. Shocking. <laughs> Scientist cannot leave question unanswered. Yeah. So I think that the first, um, the two things that were super helpful to me, like for breakthrough things, was I when I came across the term demisexual for the first time, mm-hmm. and that blew my mind. All of a sudden, I like burst into tears. It's <laughs> just oh my god, everything makes sense now. Um, and I remember like being super excited, and I called um, a friend, and then was like, "La, so excited! This is happening!" And she, bless her heart, was extremely dismissive. Um, she's like, oh, that's stupid. Or like, I, I don't remember the exact wording, but like within like a 60 second conversation, I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I guess it's stupid. <laughs> and then didn't think about it ever since for like a very long time. I was about like, to say, clearly you've thought about it. You're telling me about it. Right yes, now. that is true. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't think about it, but it kind of like, for some reason, that conversation was so harsh and like the wording was so like that I literally just said, oh, I guess I'm wrong, which is not like me. I'm still to this day don't know exactly what happened in the conversation that made me go like, never mind. <laughs> I mean, when somebody tries to say something about what you believe to be intrinsic to yourself. Yeah. You know, it kind of pushes some buttons. It does. But I'm also very used to, I grew up in a family that kept telling me that I'm, you know, imagining things and I'm like... Uh, yeah, did you have friends that did that though? Like that wasn't that's the thing. The source. I I called that specific person because I trusted them, and that, maybe that's the the thing. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. that could have been. No, if something that you're expecting to bite you bites you, you don't really get mad at it. True. But when like the sweet baby angel thing that you're not expecting to bite you, I don't know. I'm having really a hard time coming up with animal examples <laughs> because I don't want to villainize any particular species. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but that was a term that felt really right to me at a moment in time. And then I decided that it's not and I let it go for years. Um, and then again, went on and like, I don't care. It's fine. I'm broken. Who cares? <laughs> I'm just going to keep living my life. Um, the one other thing that was the most instrumental thing is like understanding the nuances of consent Mm -hmm. because the way I understood consent is like, is the act of me saying yes or no. And that's it. Which cool. Yes. Um, but did not understand how, um, 
the pressures from society, the pressures from my family that I don't want to say make me say things because my mouth uttered the words or made me do, I, I did the things, but me thinking that I have to do the things and me thinking pressures in a certain and expectations. Like, yes. Um, the things that I did to myself, not necessarily consensually, <laughs> like to myself. The things um, that you thought that you had to go along with because it was the way that it was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, exactly. Until I understood that consent is way more than just saying yes or no. Um, mm -hmm. And then everything just clicked into place, basically. Yeah. Uh, I, I realized all the things that I did um, basically had flashbacks of all the times when I didn't actually consent i just kind of didn't run away <laughs> you know then there's a difference yeah um and then kind of like started figuring my shit out way more in a way more nuanced way i'm suspicious of your cat right now i'm not saying she's gonna fall and take a lot of things with her everything with her <laughs> dear lord um yeah, no, there is something, like, there's a, because I think that a lot of people do think of consent is, well, I mean, there's many different ways to conceptualize it. Some people, it's just like, well, consent is the absence of a no, and you're like, mm, well, that doesn't really cover as many bases as we need, so then it, like, switches to the sex is an enthusiastic yes at all times, and then that doesn't leave room for Like, situations where, like, people know they're like, hey, I'm not, like, in the mood, like, right now, but, like, I'm I'm seducible at the moment. Like, maybe if we start things, I will get in the mood. Like, and that is the way that some people have to do it. Some people mm -hmm. have, like, they don't have, like, reactive, or I should say, they, they have more reactive sex drive than proactive mm -hmm. they don't just like spontaneously get horny they're just like no i gotta like i gotta feel whether or not my body's like hey this is nice <laughs> yeah and uh then also just like the things that we say yes to and are the things that we're willing to put up with because we're told that that's just the way it's supposed to be and like the number of people in this world well, this person bought me dinner. I owe them sex. And you're like, what? Like, the, there's very, every single year, there's a more nuanced understanding of what consent means. And, yeah. like, that varies from person to person, too. Like, mm -hmm. for some people, it's just like, oh, yeah, no, like, sex isn't really that big of a deal to me. So even if I don't, like, actively want to have sex, like, I'm cool if my partner wants to have sex. And they don't feel violated afterwards. And that is horrific to some people. Like, it's just... It, really all very very uh individualized yes that was that was very important for me to understand too um, yeah mm -hmm. i was terrified of human beings in general until i realized i don't owe anyone anything <laughs> if they do something nice to me or like buy me dinner or drinks or um such a nice guy so you have to be this and this and that for them or something like that. Oh, fuck that. No, just fuck being nice to people. <laughs> Game changer. Yeah, no. Don't be nice to anybody ever. <laughs> just be a dick to everybody. Just be a dick to everybody. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm only slightly kidding. I... <laughs> <sighs> 
Yeah, no, nobody owes anybody anything except for, I mean, I wouldn't even say that everybody, anybody owes anybody decency, but like you should. Yeah, that's nice. I don't often say should to things, but the world would be not a lot nicer place if people just did not assume that anybody owed them anything. Yes. Yeah. That is usually my baseline. <laughs> so, like, really, nobody does owe you shit. Mm-hmm. And then if somebody isn't being nice to you, you can just not deal with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learning that I can just leave. <laughs> Was also very instrumental. Like, relationships or, like, the bar where somebody's bothering you? Like, what? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out what her baseline was. Okay. <laughs> just get up and wait. Yeah. That works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And trusting your own instincts. Yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't feel right, there's probably a reason. Least warrants exploring the reason. Yeah, I mean, like that might it might not feel right because expectations of some type that you can tweak. Mm-hmm. Versus, it doesn't feel right because you're like, eh, no, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long have we been recording? I don't fucking know. Okay. Oh, it's going so fast. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the timer was just going. I was going to ask a question about your parents, and I don't remember quite what it was. I don't, yeah. No, no, I can't remember. It was something about your parents, uh... I'm good at interviewing. (laughs) I'm so good at interviewing. It is late here, just so everybody knows. Mm -hmm. We can give the benefit of the doubt. It's very late. Dear Lord. Um, oh. Um, with your parents, was there ever any sort of, like, aversion to talking about it? Like, did you ever try to ask anything and they brushed it off or were like, ah! Or did they just ignore questions? Or did you just know that they were not the people to ask? I think I learned, unfortunately, at a very young age that they are not the people to ask. Um, because any other question that I had if they didn't find it comfortable or in the realm of what they thought was an appropriate question to ask they would always kind of be slightly aggressive about it (laughs) in their response okay like it would always be like oh it's either like this is stupid you know like something like that oh this is what I mean but aggressive not like you know um, so I'm like, I thought you were <laughs> just, just being like, hello, sex <laughs> is when a man and a woman do things to each other, <laughs> yelling at you. Never had that conversation. 
Um, so I think I don't remember having, I don't remember asking them questions. I honestly don't even remember like talking to like anyone about my period or stuff. Like, I don't remember things just happened and I figured it out. Um, I, I just learned from a very young age not to come to them <laughs> and they stopped coming to them. I don't remember exactly when. Um, yeah. How, what did your mom do when you got your period? When she's just like, why am I missing tampons? Like, did she just like not? I think I told her at some point because <laughs> I had to. And um, I think she gave me like pads or something. They just handed them to me. Like, okay. Literally. Sure. Fine, mom. Okay. And yeah, I don't okay. think there was a conversation or like anything like that. Well, okay. So then I know there was also another very, very large realm of your life that I'm also wondering how it played in. So you used to do ballet. Yes. Like <laughs> got to a professional level. Yes. You started when you were a, a bump on a log. Yeah, I was three years old. <laughs> Like, you were not even a full-formed human yet. Correct. Pretty sure you still had a soft spot on your head. Like, you were not... <laughs> you were not an entire full-fledged being yet. No, and I probably still wobbled when I walked. So. Probably. And decided that you wanted to do ballet. Like, what was the climate of, like, talking about sex and sexuality in that realm? Like, was it just, like... I, so at some point, I remember it never was an actual conversation, although I did get a lot more information from my ballet teachers than I ever got from my parents about anything. Okay. Personal hygiene, like things like that. Um, <laughs> you know, because they care about a bunch of sweaty kids. Yeah, I was about to say, did you just go in one day and they're like, you should shower? Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't get that. Luckily, other kids got that before me. So I'm like, oh, okay. I don't want to have that conversation in front of 12 other children. So I will avoid that by doing what they just told this kid to do. Fair. Fair. Um, yes. <laughs> I. That is a very weird side note. But I got so terrified when they shamed this kid for being slightly stinky and told them like to get a deodorant that I used so much deodorant that I clogged all my pores in my body because I didn't really need it at the time. And also I used way too much because I didn't know how much you need of it. So anyway, unrelated. It's fun. <laughs> um, but in terms of like um, sex, I, there was not really a conversation. Uh, everyone was aware that like the, you know, people were having it. Everyone's always naked behind the scenes and changing and like it was kind of like bodies were whatever we were all used to seeing bodies bodies um, existed that wasn't a thing i am extremely comfortable with the human form um i don't have any issues with that um so that was always like there but no one ever had a conversation with us and then i remember at some point uh you reach a certain age and you have partner dance and things like that and everyone just expects you to portray sexy like I remember dancing a part and being kind of like one of the remarks was like you have to be more sexual 
Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I was like 16 or 17 um, with my demisexual brain. Absolutely not interested in sex, not fathoming what sexual me. What do you want me to do? Like I had the, I knew that I was perceived as a sexual being by other people at that point because you know we live in the world and <laughs> because we live in the world. <laughs> and people just you know <laughs> throw that information onto you. But I didn't have an understanding of my own sexuality or like a sense of it, and mm-hmm. I didn't know how to use it or how to portray it. <laughs> Um, and I was very confused by that. So, okay, this begs a, a separate question in which I, I, I genuinely don't know if you know this. Uh-huh. And if you don't, I'm going to info dump on you. Okay. I'm probably going to have to info dump anyway okay. because nobody out there will know. Okay. Most likely. Do you know what the history of ballet is when it comes to sex and sex work? Um, no, I do not. So, originally, um, so do you know those those paintings? I can't remember the fucking painter. He was very famous, and it was always, like, ballet girls back, backstage. Yeah, sure, Degas. Maybe. I don't know. Somebody's going to yell at me. <laughs> Maybe De- Degas had a bunch of... Um... Yeah, so um, uh, the, I read an article about his work, which is where I actually learned about this, but when... Before the ballet was highbrow, it was actually kind of used as, like, intermission or, like, overture pieces between operatic scenes, between operatic uh, acts. And uh, the the ballet, it wasn't considered a, a, a fancy thing at all. They were just kind of there as filler, and mm. they were used, the dancers were often used as incentives for donors to the opera. So they would get sponsors who were very, very wealthy men who would donate to the opera, and their large donation entitled them basically to go back to the green room and take their sponsored dancer backstage to private rooms and have sex with them. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, And it was, like, it was often, like, uh, in the movie The Phantom of the Opera, like, it's, like, a school of young girls that were all, like, orphans Mm -hmm. who were, like, taken in to learn how to be in the ballet and whatnot. So it was, like, it it was a lot like that, where it was, like, usually girls. It was a job. Like, they Mm -hmm. made wages. That is how they paid the bills and like once you reached a certain age you were expected to take on a donor mm-hmm. and um it's and like the treatment of the women as well was always not great like apparently even Degas he just like actually like really sucked like hmm. <laughs> he would have dancers holding poses for like hours while he painted and mm-hmm. they would like get cramped and like faint because they were dehydrated and hadn't eaten and their job was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, so there's a, there's a history of sex and sex work in ballet that and, often does not get talked about. Like I didn't learn about this until like last year. Definitely did not teach that in ballet school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's also like, I know with, um, 
competitive like if you're like going professional some schools and like from people that I know in the U.S. like there were discussions about like sex because they're like if you get pregnant your career's over is essentially what the conversation was yeah I don't Again, because I was disinterested in sex at the time, I think also a lot of the things just kind of flew over my head. <laughs> what, you didn't have some lady with a weird French accent come up and be like, there will be a donaire coming to you. You must be sexy with this donaire. And you were like, what? I have a solo? <laughs> no, I've had a lot of weird conversations with my ballet teachers that don't none of them in a French accent. <laughs> no, it's mostly heavy Russian accents. <laughs> Although I did have one French teacher when I was very young. Oh, so. and didn't, didn't tell you about sex work? <laughs> oh, okay. I was, I was six. I don't think she <laughs> went there. Okay, so she was age appropriate. We got it. Mostly watched Fantasia. So. <laughs> oh, they think Fantasia's great. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now I'm wondering what the crossover rate of ballerina and very queer is. Uh, so, from what I gather from my very like you know narrow group where I grew up, um, but also talked to a couple of other ex ballet dancers, and they seem to have the same kind of perspective. There's a a good amount of gay men uh in the ballet world not a not a lot of anything else in terms of like queer people hmm. um except you, you except just, me you were just trying to start yes <laughs> <laughs> like the straight friends that i had <laughs> growing up were, were from ballet school mm. um and that's it the rest of them were not <laughs> um yeah so i don't know what that's about but Probably not everywhere, but that's what I've, um, little data points that I've gathered. Wow. Hmm. That's going to be your next science project. I'm declaring it now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, science project. I say to a person who does (laughs) science for a living, I'm like, you little science project. Other people are allowed to do science. (laughs) That's not. Little science project. But yeah, I would I would love to read the research about how <laughs> uh, having lack of representation for queer queer women in ballet is affected. Well, and like from what you're saying, it's one of those things too where it sounded like there was a, quite a bit of like compulsory heterosexuality that you had to display on stage. Yeah, it's there's no display of from what I know um, of anything else in ballet. It's always like there's. A knight in shining armor or a pirate. Yeah. And well, and from what I understand too, like even though you said that there are quite a few gay men in ballet, like most of the dancing is like there's a heavy emphasis on like masculinity. Yes. With a lot of male dancers. Like there's a lot of like posturing and Yes. Uh I don't even know how to put it. Um, uh, I just think of those videos with like the 
the Russian ballet teams that are like mostly men and so like super high jumps and flips and they're all powerful and they have these powerful stances that they have and like there's whole entire dances created around men like vying for the <laughs> affections of women and then you talk to them and you're all like oh you're all very gay <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and then the 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 women tend to be <laughs> uh way more aggressive in their uh demeanor <laughs> mm. uh, maybe aggressive is not the right word but harsh i mean if you Grow up in a in a ballet school, like hearing the people who are correcting every single teeny tiny little part of your body because it needs to be angled the correct way yes. in order to be like being a professional ballerina is no fucking joke. <laughs> yeah, it's a very specific kink. It's a, <laughs> it's a very specific kink. Yeah, no, you need to be good with being berated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely a <laughs> test of something. Yeah, there's, like, people who, like, do ballet. And, like, they're like, oh, I'm on point. Look how pretty. <laughs> Amazing. And they're the ones who just, they're in ballet for fun. And then there are people who are ballet. Yeah, the smart people usually kind of, like, skedaddle. <laughs> Not everybody ends up like Black Swan? No, and I'm happy for them <laughs> anybody who has seen the movies just happy yes although I'd have sex with Mila Kunis and that <laughs> oh so. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> which oh one of them's Russian and one of them's Israeli there we go that story was about you uh huh <laughs> I just put that together yes <laughs> Mm-hmm. That explains a lot about me. <laughs> yeah, I can't extrapolate that to other people. That just, yeah, no, that was an informative statement that just came out of my mouth about mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Are you having a crisis? I learned okay. something about myself today. It was nice. See. <laughs> I have a degree in this, and I am still learning <laughs> about myself, as is everybody. I mean, if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't had more sirens during this time. I feel like we did good. Yeah. I looked it. There was one before we started, like, recording, recording, and then there was one... That was happening as you were talking about how sex did not exist according to, <laughs> I think you said the government. And then it was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yes. The Russian yeah. government is on us. <laughs> don't do it. I mean, it's a timely statement. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're allowed to say whatever you want. <laughs> You can say whatever you want. Your cats were generally angels, except for when they were, like, licking each other. Look, now they're dead. Yeah, they were too busy licking each other. Have they had the sex ed talk? They have not. They seem to have things figured out. (laughs) I mean, 
parts of their bodies were taken from them. Yeah, so. that's exactly what I was just thinking. Well, they seem to be very confident in their sexuality. Yeah. Well, Adler needs to learn a little bit about consent and boundaries. <laughs> Definitely. Well, she doesn't have a... She respects her own fairly well. Well, yeah, which is why I admire cats. I, I think that they are masters of their own boundaries and limits. However, <laughs> when she is clawing her way onto my lap, when I'm just trying to eat... <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a problem. I tried talking to her about it. You should teach your cats not to cock block. <laughs> that's definitely is. That is She's not one rude. of their best features. Rude cats. Mm -hmm. Or just, like, not attacking feet. That would be nice. Yeah, this is me setting a boundary for both of you. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me when I'm talking. Young man. Look at me. <laughs> He's refusing. He's not looking at me. Everybody who's listening is like, what is happening over there? This podcast is great for television. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for time. That's it. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you for taking... <laughs> The time to talk to me at, like, midnight. <laughs> Thank you. This is fun. <laughs> As I'm falling asleep. Yeah. Because I am not a person anymore. <laughs> Nothing wrong with midnight. It's fine. It's a good time to record a podcast. Well, yeah, especially when you forget until, like, the day before you're supposed to put it up. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're in a different city, so you don't have your recording Oh, which reminds me, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash uncensoredpod. Uh, throw money for uh, sound equipment, or if I start getting enough subscribers, I can actually have uh, Dave, who did the jingle, start editing and doing sound for me. Because, um, yeah, he he's a music producer, does it independently, um, always needs money. I mean, all artists needs money. We're all starving, apparently. Mm -hmm. Or so the trope goes. Yeah. So you can do that there. Um, if you sign up, I occasionally throw bonus episodes up. And then you usually get early access. <laughs> that will not be happening this month. Because this is going up tomorrow. Because tomorrow is the last day of February, the shortest month of the year. Yeah. Uh, tune in next time. I'll talk dirty to you and I'll take a nap. <laughs> Before then. Because I'm sleepy. All right. Bye.